Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Young Life Podcast. We are back. And uh, for better, for worse, unfortunately, we are back. And this week, I'm joined by... I'm Aiden. I'm here. I am a part-time Bible college student and newly part-time streamer on Twitch. Catch me at Real Black Talon. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I, I stream COD. I stream Call of Duty Warzone. And uh, yeah, that's my... Uh, that's my thing now. That's his pitch. That's There's the pitch. pitch. Yeah, oh, man. Uh, well, I'm Elliot. I'm the host of the Open Concepts podcast that comes out every Tuesday at 10 a.m. I am finally also done school. Woohoo! Woo! Done that. So, uh, French study student at York University. There you go. My name is Jake Stanley. I go by Shaking Jake Stanley. I'm at Life 100.3. Um, and that's pretty much all I do hang out on the radio and sit at home on my phone. <laughs> oh, I love that Aiden gave a plug for his Twitch stream. That's the best. Well, you know, we're always honored that you guys would join us online while the world is still figuring itself out. And we're online for this week uh, as a team. Well, even myself, just trying to figure out what 15% capacity look like. We have to move out of the summit. So where are we going to go? How are we going to meet? But uh, we're very much still trying to figure out what we're going to do. And I'm sure by the time this comes up Monday night, we'll have a game plan. So all of our social stuff, you can check that out at theyoung.life. For more information, also the younglife.online, even if we're back in person, it's going to have all the information you need there. Just go check it out. But you know, it's not all bad for all the reasons people don't like lockdowns. And you know what? There's enough. There's enough reasons that we don't need to get into here. You know, it, I found it's at least stretched and made you improve some skills in some areas of my life, maybe you're lacking. You know, I kind of miss going out for the Young Life after parties, chicken wings. I should, I should say, Stephen and I have made some unreal chicken wings uh, since this whole lockdown thing, but I do miss Kelsey's. I do miss yeah. Montana's. Yeah. I do miss BP's. And so we've had to figure out how to cook stuff. Is that is that any... Do you guys have any pro star chef abilities at all? Excuse me. Other man. than Uber Eats, man? I don't know. Other than Uber Eats? <laughs> <laughs> I'll jokes. pull them out when I need them, but like... Living at home with my mom during all of this, it's been uh, it's been pretty sweet. I've I've had a lot of home cooked meals, but like when I'm on my own and I need to pull out uh, the chef gusto of ratatouille and me, then that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, I'll I'll do it. I'll do it. What would be like your if each of you take a turn, maybe? What would be yeah. like your go to thing? Like if you were cooking dinner and you're like, this is the best thing I do, what would it be? <laughs> Chicken Alfredo. Oh, that's oh, a good yeah, one. Okay. Chicken Alfredo. It's simple. It's easy. It's tasty. It's got everything you need. And it's just, it's perfect. I that's do, a good one, actually. I do barbecue. I'm a barbecue guy, so I enjoy doing that. And so some rice, some steak, chicken, anything. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I think for me, probably like pasta. Like nothing like like one kind of pasta, like pasta in general. Get it going, different noodles, bow tie, whatever. A bow tie, ladies. Shake and Jake Stanley. Treat into Italian <laughs> dinner. You know, actually, I'm always jealous. Shout out to Will Ferguson. He's got a Traeger, like, meat smoker. And he's always That's got, like, it. the best things that he makes on that. Actually, the week that we started our prayer and fasting, he came in on the Monday morning, and he's showing me pictures of all, like, the ribs he had made over the weekend. And it was not a good way to start fasting. But... Oh, yeah. uh, What's your thing? What do you cook? We've been trying to figure out oh, um, mean, chicken teriyaki. I think I don't know what you call it. Anyway, we yeah. we kind of like fake it till you make it. Honestly, I feel like it's a little bit like Frankenstein cooking. We'll make like <laughs> chicken, rice, vegetables, and then I like to try and create a sauce out of whatever I have in my cupboards, and it's actually worked out pretty good. Although I have had to learn to use chili flakes in moderation because yeah. you just can ruin <laughs> the entire thing. But uh, you know, we're getting there. And tonight we're talking about being unified, not just uniform. And you know, kind of like a meal, you know, there's lots of different textures and flavors and tastes in the body of Christ and God somehow makes it all work together. And honestly, I feel like COVID has been a good, uh, I think we're just more aware that it's a very diverse body. Let's put yeah. it that way. You know, like we, the, the body of Christ is a very diverse body. That's not a bad thing. It's just the reality of the situation. And yet we all serve the same God, same spirit, and we're all looking forward to the same future. And, you know, in a time where there's divisive mindsets and hearts, uh, Paul in Ephesians 4, continuing kind of our series with Ephesians, talks about being humble and gentle with one another because of our love. And he kind of goes on to push and say, hey, like, 
give grace for each other's faults because of your love. And I feel like at the moment, one of the biggest struggles with all this kind of stuff is uh, our grace tanks are low. They're totally low, which that's, it is what it is. Have you guys had any sort of like hard time with family or friends during this whole thing with just a different perspective and mindset? Mm -hmm. Yeah. My mom, she's like, she's keeping an, uh, an eye on and, and listening to all these, like the, you know, behind the scenes stuff that's going on with COVID, like the stuff that the government doesn't tell you and stuff like that. And so I don't mind it, but my brother and sister are like, they, they just don't, they just don't take it. They're like, mom, let's talk about something else. You always talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> like people come over mom's like, did you hear that they're doing this and all this? <laughs> They're not telling you it's a secret. <laughs> That's funny. I know my my uh my grandma, she um like she didn't she does not understand these colored zones. Like she thinks, oh, red means it's the worst, and orange means it's really bad, and like gray means we're good. Like she was so confused, and I was trying to like I was trying to like tell her, and all she take takes uh for her information and all she like she treats the news like gold. So it's like whatever she hears on the news, she just immediately thinks is like is the golden standard of what like is happening right now. And like, and I, I don't know, I, I like to like look at everything. So it's been hard right. to, for me to explain to maybe, maybe her and I don't know, but like we're, we're, we're chill. We don't like fight over we're anything chill. or not. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's the same thing for me. I, I tend to avoid having like those kind of big, not arguments, but just discussions. Cause I'm like, I don't want to focus on it. It's not really affecting my life as much as it is like, I, like it is affecting our lives, but not to that extent that I need to have to have an argument with my parents or with my friends or whatnot. But yeah, it comes up on occasion, but I'm just like, it is what it is. We move. That's that's all I can really yeah. say to that. I think Jake's pretty like hits the nail on the head that I feel like we're going to come out of this and people are going to forget to talk about anything but yeah. COVID. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It, it yeah. just, it may not be the case. It just feels like you spend 15 minutes with people and at some point, it comes yeah. right back around to yeah. whatever. It's like always, asking someone what they do for work. It's like, right, it's right. so, it's such an <laughs> it's easy thing to come it's up in conversation. It's the new weather. Yeah. It's, the, yeah, new it's the new weather. Yeah. Oh, it's no longer, oh, it's it's rainy today. It's like, did you hear we had 400 cases today? Yeah. It's like, it's totally <laughs> becomes COVID a, today. or did yeah. you hear that yeah. they're putting microchips in people's eyeballs? Like <laughs> it, it just becomes like the new yeah. conversation around everything. We always joke that, um, I love grandparents, but actually both my grandparents have passed away. But so Michaela's grandma is my only grandparent, her two grandmas at the moment. And we always joke that her grandma treats Facebook like it's a private messaging board. Like if she <laughs> wants to tell you about something, she'll just put in her status, hey, Scott, did you know? Blah, 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 blah. And so it kind of sometimes we, stuff comes up at family conversations like, well, on the Facebook, they said, and then that becomes the, Facebook. the new, <laughs> that becomes the new rule, the new law. And so, yeah, it has been, it has been challenging. And yet mm -hmm. for all the diversity and all the craziness, uh, there's this challenge for unity. And I think that mm -hmm. is at the forefront of what we should be about as the church, even though it can be really, really, really hard. It can be really hard. Like even in conversations, like we're talking about, like it just even examples that we've given around, it can be challenging to be humble, be gentle, swallow our own thoughts and opinions and say, Hey, for, you know, I may not agree, but uh, you know, I want to be in a relationship. I want to be unified. We were yeah. joking. Uh, Actually, we had Jason Small on last time when we were talking somewhat about this, and he was talking about love being the highest goal. And I think sometimes we get confused thinking that consensus should be the highest goal. And yet, I think Corinthians challenges us that consensus is not guaranteed, but uh, love can be guaranteed. And you know, we're meeting with Jason today to talk about the diverse body and church. And I think... Uh, not just diversity as far as ethnicity or culture, although there's lots of that and that's a beautiful thing and it's so important and so valuable, but also there seems to be this rising understanding of a diversity of thought and a diversity of perspective on what is the best thing, what is the most true. And, and, and that can be a really challenging place because we start talking about truth and we start talking about what is happening, what isn't happening. Uh, those are really hard conversations to go through 
with humility and gentleness. Because I think when we talk about the gospel, for better or for worse, we're all in the same boat saying, this is so important. And so because we think it's so important, our backs kind of get up. You know what I mean? Like we, it's, it's right. so important to all of us. And so I think at the very least, we can all come to the consensus that this is the most important thing. And so even how we talk about the gospel, anyway, we're going to get into it. I don't want to start before we even get into it. Uh, so excited to have Jason with us. He is someone who travels across our province, meeting with pastors and leadership teams and just a diverse body of churches. He is like one of the experts when it comes to knowing and seeing how vast and big the uh, body of Christ can be, even in our own province. Uh, so really excited to have him there. Uh, but before we jump into that, we have our TYL download. Why don't you guys check it out right now? Oh, hey, everybody. Welcome back. You know, a little bit of a different format and where we find ourselves today. And these days can be pretty challenging. And today I want to talk about being unified over being uniform. How can we be together as the body of Christ, not just physically, but in one spirit, one heart, in mind. You know, we're working through Ephesians. Ephesians 4, Paul gives us this picture of what the body is supposed to look like and how we fit into the body of Christ. And you know, if this last season has taught us anything, it's that we are incredibly social people and not just because we want to have fun, but we need people to do life with. We, we, we crave community. We have to be together. People who understand us, they know us, they uh, recognize our face and they're excited to see us. You know, it's sometimes the little things in life that encourage us and keep us going, help us feel connected. You know, you see this all the time. If you're a gym rat, man, you probably have friends who are also gym rats. Or if you're a gamer, you found guys online that you play games with or girls, 2021. Uh, or if you're a crafty person, you know, uh, you found that Facebook group where you guys are making and sharing ideas. Or if you're an academic, you are probably writing off papers, being incredibly brilliant with people. See, I don't even know what to say for that one. That's how not academic I might be. And if you're a musician, you know, you are sending each other clips of John Mayer playing amazing lead lines all over the place. You know, we, we want to be together. And sometimes it focuses around what we have in common. One of the challenges, though, when it comes to the body of Christ is that, you know, we are brought together because of our shared belief in Jesus. But, you know, the body is such a diverse and eclectic group of people, that we belong to this greater body. It's this complexity that makes up the membership of the body of Christ. You know, there's people from around the world in different countries and different nations and different languages, whatever stage of life or background, you know, uh, socioeconomic realities, preferences, genders, races, ages, you name a category, you're going to find believers in that category. And yet, we are all called to this unified, one, holistic body and life together. You know, it unifies us by this shared experience of life with Jesus. And one of the amazing things is that with incredibly diversity is we get to get this picture of what heaven is like. I grew up at a very multicultural, diverse uh, church in Toronto. And you can see on a Sunday, just the, it was like the nations worshiping together. It's this incredible picture of what heaven is going to be like. And, you know, we're not just talking about ethnic diversity or cultural diversity, but diversity of thought and opinion and method and what we think we should be doing about our faith. And, you know, with, with all this diversity and perspective comes its own share of challenges. You know, that's kind of been, unfortunately, one of the big things to come out of this lockdown season and all this kind of stuff. You know, people start to get their back up and there's no shortage of opinions coming out. And you know, in Ephesians 4, Paul understands the dynamic of people. He understands that you and I, it's not always smooth sailing. We might bump into one each other in our thoughts and our feelings and our opinions. And yet, he calls us to something greater. And this is what he says. Therefore, as a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling because you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle and patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, and you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. For there is one Lord, one faith, and there's one baptism. One God and one Father over all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. You know, there's this big challenge coming from Paul. I love the beginning. Therefore, as a prisoner for serving the Lord, I challenge you to live a life worthy of your call. Talk about a mic drop moment. He's saying, hey, you know what? I am in prison 
for doing this. I am, I am paying the price with my life. I am making a sacrifice. And so would you please, as someone who at least has your own freedom, live a life worthy of your call? Man, that hits me different. Like that is a big call from Paul. Big call from Paul. Uh, Paul gets it right to the heart of it. That the unity of the body is not just about you, and it's not just about me, but it's about a life that is lived in response to God, that we submit our hearts and our minds and our opinions to Him. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourself uh, for you belong to one Spirit and you've been called to one glorious hope and future. And you know, for all the things that divide us and all the categories we could put ourselves into, we are all looking ahead to the same glorious hope and future. And you know, there is a peace and there is a calming in that. Paul gets to it and says, hey, you know, it's not possible without the power of the Spirit. He goes, bind yourselves together with peace through the power of the Spirit, united in the Spirit. You know, a Spirit-formed and Spirit-led people, when we find ourselves in moments of opposition and that something's grinding, you know, that's the moment we have to return to the Spirit, especially in the body of Christ. That's what I find in my own life. I have, I'm preaching myself, moments where frustrations or the gears are grinding. You're coming up against somebody. And you know, in that moment, if I'm going to maintain the calling on my life, that, that living a life worthy of the call, I got to return to the Spirit. I got to know the power of the Spirit in my life so that I'm able to be more than myself. This is what 1 Corinthians says. Also, Paul, he goes, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You know, Paul talks about how the whole body is important. He says to, uh, he talks about your hand. Your hand, you wouldn't say to your hand, it's not valuable because it's not a foot. And in the same way, you wouldn't say your foot is not valuable because it's not a hand. They have completely different functions and yet they each have their place. And that's how we're supposed to feel about the body of Christ, even in our diversity, not just culturally or ethnically or uh, whatever uh, things that we can see, but in thoughts and opinions and principles and methodology. Hey, do we see the value? It may not look the same, it may not have the same function, but do we see where it fits? We all have a part to play, even if it doesn't fit the mold of what you think it should be. The mold is overrated. The mold is overrated. You know, we're unified by the Spirit, but unity is not uniformity. It's not that everything needs to look the same and sound the same and talk the same and do it the exact same way. You know, diversity in the body is our strength. The collective of all God's people make up this beautiful picture that everybody is welcome in the kingdom of God because there is representation of all sorts of people throughout the kingdom of God. And you know, where we find ourselves, there's no shortage of hot takes and divisive opinions and tensions. And you know, it gets grating. And yet what Paul is saying here is, hey, as believers, we have to rise above the common volume, the common, cha- common chatter and common perspective and common just getting upset about it. Because unity is not uniformity. You know, I don't need someone to see eye to eye with me for me able to be unified with them in love and peace by the power of the Spirit. You know, <clears throat> not everybody's going to agree with your perspective in the way that you see the world. And yet the Bible tells us that consensus is not the highest goal. You know, in our culture, uh, one of the conflicts that we have is that consensus is the highest goal. That I'm going to make you understand how I feel. I'm going to convince you. And yet the Bible tells us that consensus is not the highest goal, but Corinthians 14 tells us that love is the highest goal, especially as believers. As we, Because of our love, we can be humble, we can be gentle with one another, we can make allowance for each other's faults. Man, you know, one of the great ironies I find in this whole thing is that as believers, we lack grace. You know, our faith is built on a grace that we do not deserve or earn, and yet we can sometimes be the first to take that from someone else. We're not usually quick to give grace that isn't deserved or earned. Would we humble ourselves? Would we be gentle? Would we be kind? Even in the face of our enemies or people that you perceive as your enemy, you know, are we challenged to take a different road than what everybody else would take? Romans 12, 17 to 18 says, Never pay back evil with more evil. Doing such a thing, do it in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable so that you can live in peace with everyone. And you know, the key to recognize that we can be unified without being uniform is to just say, hey, I'm not going to succumb to the lowest common denominator. 
I'm not going to succumb to even what's fair. I want to rise above it. I want to be gentle. I want to be honorable. Consensus is not the highest goal. Being the same, being uniform is not the highest goal. Love, understanding, and compassion for the belonging to the kingdom of heaven, that is the highest goal. That we would make space for everybody to come into the kingdom, even if they disagree with how you might think about something. You know, one of the best things to come out of this lockdown for myself, at least, is, uh, believe it or not, a new appreciation for cooking. You know, I've missed all the awesome things that we'd probably just go out to eat for, and so we've had to try and figure out how to make them ourselves. And you know, <clears throat> I've, I call myself a Frankenstein cook. Like, I, I, whatever's in my shelves, I want to throw in and mix together and see if I can make something come to life. And you know, that picture <clears throat> is exactly how I see God shaping and molding the kingdom of heaven. You know, there's lots of different flavors. There's lots of different textures. There's lots of different consistencies. Like, that, there's just such this diversity in the ingredients that make up the kingdom of heaven. And yet God, in his infinite wisdom, he knows where they all fit in the recipe. You know, we have to rely on him to say, God, I trust that I don't need to be the one running this kingdom. You're the one running this kingdom. I'm going to be gentle and have patience and kindness and love and trust that, God, you are cooking up the right thing. That, God, you are going to leave the best taste in people's mouths as we come together and we unify as the kingdom of heaven. He's, he's the taste maker. That's the, that's the mental image I've had to give myself. You know what? God, I don't understand how all these ingredients necessarily fit together all the time. And yet I do trust that you're the taste maker. There's a place for them. There's value in them. And I want to be gentle and humble and kind and do my best, empowered by the Spirit, to see the value that you're putting in them. And you know, a big part of it, and my challenge to you is, hey, would we let love be our highest goal? For as challenging as that is, don't forsake unity for uniformity. Uniformity's boring. You know, the best meals I've ever had in my life are not the same thing for every day. It's not like you just get a big plate of carrots. It's not like I want diversity. I want to change it up. I want to experience the full breadth of what could be. And in the same way, the kingdom of heaven, you know, it's it's our diversity. It's our unity and yet not uniform that gives us this interesting perspective and it gives us uh, this interesting experience of all that the kingdom of God could be. And so my challenge to you is, hey, let love be the highest goal. It's the challenge I give to myself. It's the thing that I have to remind myself of literally every single day, literally every single day. Scott, today, let love be the highest goal. Do I do it amazing every day? Most definitely not. And yet, I want to live a life worthy of my call, as Paul says. And that's my challenge to us today. Would we live a life worthy of our call to be unified by the Spirit, forsaking uniformity and embracing unity? Well, we have Pastor Jason Small coming up right now talking about the value and what diversity looks like in the greater body. Why don't you check it out right now? Well, welcome everybody. We are thankful to have Pastor Jason Small back with us again, significantly less hairy than he was last time that we (laughs) saw him uh, without his wise sage beard. Uh, But we want to have Jason on to talk about um, unity in the church. Jason has pastored in Hong Kong. He's pastored in rural Ontario up north. Maybe it's not rural. It's rural to me. Englehart, Ontario. No, it's rural. It's rural up, up rural. there. Uh, and he's pastored a church and rural. planted a church rural in the GTA, a <laughs> uh, place called Waterdown just outside of Hamilton. Uh, so Jay has an experience, uh, has lots of experiences with lots of different kinds of churches and lots of different kinds of people. And now he works for our district office. Like we said last time, he's working with church planters, which uh, I would say half of our churches, Jason, would be ethnic churches yeah. of some kind. Yeah, I, that's it's almost exactly that number. About half of our churches would be of a different ethnic uh, base, for sure. And the ones that aren't necessarily ethnic-based would be a variety of school campuses or rural areas or suburbs like they're all Mm -hmm. there's no one size fits all when it comes to how they're doing church and how they're planting and how they're starting yeah and i work with our first nations churches too and those are um, yeah just a whole different style uh in of themselves so the the fly-in communities that's next level so we have 20 of those churches that i work with as well oh that's awesome well yeah that's awesome 
Well, to, we wanted to ask Jason and pick his brain because um, he's just a pro when it comes to these things. And last time we had him on the podcast, everybody liked it. And so we want to have him back. And he's our pinch hitter, uh, quick shift to online uh, and was willing to come hang out with us. And he also attends our church. People who don't know, he's part of our church family and Pastor Carla on staff. Jason makes a great pastor's wife. 10 out of 10. Amazing. Well, Jason, we wanted to ask you... Uh, why is diversity so important in the church and not just uh, representation or cultural diversity or ethnic diversity, which of course are incredibly value, but what we see today where uh, this major world shift mm -hmm. has really made us more aware that we can have a very dramatic different perspectives and understandings of what's the best thing to do, even in the same body of the church. Yeah. So um, it comes back to who we are, like as a movement. So our church, talking about Maple View specifically, is part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, which if you get our roots and who we were uh, coming back to us as a movement, um, it was always marked by a very diverse group. So our back to our formation days, and I don't want to go super history on you, but uh, um, Do it. if you look back to our roots, it was about, uh, the leader of the movement was a son of a slave um, who had one eye. So he's handicapped in, 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 in that way, but also uh, he listened in on the education because he wasn't even allowed to actually go to the school. So uh, the stories go that he actually sat outside and listened. And then God used him as the leader of the movement. And so the, if you look at the, the makeup of the original uh, lead team, if you will, uh, in Azusa Street. It was like half black, half white. Um, well, there's also Hispanic people on it. There was women on it. There was younger people. There was older people. It was this full diverse. There was rich people and there was very poor people. And so I just look at that that total mix. And their big thing was that the baptism of the spirit, you know that the spirit's at work, basically. Uh, the marker of that is when there's uh, diversity in the, in the crowd. That was only a few years later that they totally lost focus of that, but that's the roots of who we are. When we're at our best, that's when we're at, uh, there. So yeah, I, I totally think it's super important. Psalm 133, it says this, it says that God, where there's unity, God commands blessing. And if you look in the Hebrew, that's the most intense uh, verb form that you can get. Like it's, it's as loud as caps and bold as you can get it. Like God commands blessing where there's unity. And so I don't know. I think, uh, why the church needs it, I think, because that's where God commands blessing when blessing when there's diversity and, and unity. That's uh, yeah, yeah, like that's that's a huge one. And and Paul starts off this passage saying like, therefore, as a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you, live a life worthy of the call, which is like mm -hmm. the ultimate mic drop. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I he's paying for it with his life. And so even to us saying like, that's where we've come from. And can we set aside differences to live a life mm. worthy of the call? Right? Like that's, that's a big part. Even Pastor Jay on Sunday uh, talked about that in his message of, of the broad scope. And that's kind of our history as a movement. And definitely uh, even as our church, as we try to make sure that there's uh, room for everybody, even if there's different perspectives. Yeah. And I think that whole imagery of the body of Christ is so key. And, and Jay alluded to that on Sunday's message as well. Like uh, the idea that we're to, uh, that, that the Lord chose this imagery for specifically to see ourselves as a body. Like it, it makes us better. I think it's important to reach, if we're going to reach everybody, we need all sorts of people to be able to do that and accomplish those purposes. It also makes us better too. Like it, it, it exposes blind spots within us when we're, around people that are diverse from ourselves. Yeah. Uh, one so, of our guys, Aiden yeah. was talking about all the different churches that he's gone to. And it's like, he's taken a little treasure from each of those of things that he doesn't want to lose mm -hmm. now because he's been to all these different experiences and had become more. And every time he went to one, he's like, Oh no, this is the best way. Oh no, this is the mm -hmm. best way. And so his story is like, well, now that I've come through them all, he's like, I have all these little pieces from all these communities that I've been a part of. So how can we keep from being defensive? I think if 2020 had a theme that was over it, it was defensive. <laughs> like, And um, people are trying to navigate what's the best way to live out our faith. How do we, how do we combat a uh, defensive spirit when it comes to how we do church and what would mm -hmm. Jesus do 
you know, like it's a good question, but I think at the moment it's caused a lot of frustration in people's lives, especially around this stuff at the moment is what would Jesus mm-hmm. actually do? How do we keep ourselves from getting defensive? Well, I think it's coming back to mission all the time. And so if you look at, okay, what's our mission really about? Like, it's not about, uh, there's nothing in there about style. It's all about like substance, what we're to be about. And so if we kind of continually circle the wagons on mission in our lives, okay, what do I want to be about in my life? What's, you know, not just as a church, but actually as an individual, like, do you have an admission statement over your life? Like, what do I want to be known for? What do I want to be about? And if it comes back to that, then the rest of the stuff becomes less important and you're able to focus on what really is important. And so uh, unity always surrounds itself with mission. So it doesn't matter how, you know, the arrow gets to the center of the, uh, the target. It's just a matter of, does it get there? And so all the rest of the stuff becomes less, less important. Um, and then we're able to focus on what really, really matters. Also, I think, uh, back on that idea too is is taking into account like what scripture talks about um you know this idea of of majoring on the majors and minoring on the minors and you know someone once said to me like keeping the main thing the main thing is the main thing and so just that idea to constantly come back to what's the main thing um Romans talks, or pardon me, not Romans, Ephesians talks about like outdo one another in showing honor. And I think that's a big key to the whole thing too. So if, if we feel ourselves getting defensive, it's usually because we're trying to dishonor somebody to try and honor ourselves more. And so, yeah. Yeah. Paul talks about uh, binding yourself together in the spirit, which mm-hmm. if that's a good reminder of you're going to need the Holy Spirit power to bind yourself together to one another because... Yeah. Because, like you're saying, of maybe our natural inclination to want to, mm. not it's not one up, but you know, like position ourselves above. And I think part of the challenges at the moment is uh, something that I've had to come back to and remind myself of is everybody feels so strongly because everybody believes it's that important. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not because people are trying to be flippant. It's because people really care and mm-hmm. they really see the value of it. And, and at least on some level, we're all pulling towards, as Paul puts, the same glorious hope. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we might have different ways that we think we should go about that or different things that we should do or not do to get there, uh, but to understand that by the power of the Spirit, there can be a unified. And, and we're kind of challenging us today that sometimes unified doesn't look like uniform mm-hmm. and feeling the pressure to be uniform or to be a square peg in a round hole can feel uncomfortable, uh, but it's not necessarily a bad thing as long as we are unified and honoring, if that, as you're saying. Yeah. And that comes back once again to the mission idea. So it's like, yeah. okay, God, what have you formed me to do? I don't have to worry and try and run somebody else's lanes. I don't have to try and be who they are. I don't have to try and do it like they do. It's okay. They Like celebrate that. But Lord, let me be what you've called me to be. So how can we remain unified? Like just practice, like what can we practice and, and do? So let's, even if there's, even in someone's own family or uh, their mm-hmm. own church family, whatever it is, like there's lots of, um, you know, I, I feel like divisive and, and all that, all those words, like I almost getting sick of them from hearing mm-hmm. them so much. Uh, but really uh, if someone's struggling to feel unified, what can we do? What, what can we turn to? How can they remain unified even though we're diverse? Yeah. So I think it starts with even asking that question. So the fact that like, I think if you start asking it, you're halfway there Mm -hmm. to begin with, because it's about intentionality. And so it's amazing how Paul talks all these ideas in scripture about like, it always is attached to work or intentionality. Like when it speaks to unity, it's in other words, sometimes we just feel like, oh, well, if our hearts are aligned, it'll just happen. No, Paul's like actually saying it's not going to just happen. You actually have to work at it. There's an intentionality around it. So for me, that looks like uh, spending time, like the biggest one I think is just eating with. And I know that sounds super simplistic, but something changes when you eat with people. And Amen. you see this idea, like <laughs> it's true. And so now that's coming from a fat guy talking about it. But, um, so, yeah, uh, COVID-25 <laughs> got me real good. That's the real, yeah. But, but it, there's, there's something that breaks down the walls when you like actually 
um, are at one level. And scripture is so great about this, like the whole imagery of the table and, and the, the, the reason that Jesus chose uh, the Lord's Supper, like this table idea is because we all come together. It's powerful. Like when you see imagery in scripture, say, hmm, why did they choose that imagery? And I think that's powerful in our lives. So uh, I think just learning to eat with one another is such a big thing. Learning to listen to and uh, read. Like we talked about diversity. When so much of our like theology comes out of U.S. Uh, side of things. So when was the last time you read an uh, African writer? When was the last time mm. you read an Asian writer? When was the last time you read uh, Australia? Like, well, we probably read a bunch of Australians. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Um, <laughs> thanks, Hillsong. But, uh, but you know what I mean? Like it, it gives you a very different perspective when you read people from that aren't exactly like you. So I think that those are a couple of things. Uh, I think also... Um, Maybe if you have, in order to stay this way, is to make marginalized people a priority in your life. And so if you look at Jesus, like, where did he always go? He didn't always go to, like, the mainstream. He always, always prioritized the margins. And I think in our lives, uh, we too often, like, look for people that have, oh, those people are similar to me. So therefore, I'll probably get along well. Well, what happens if like we prioritize the margins and then it would just change how we see everything and everyone around us. So that we go after people that no one else is and try and, uh, you know, I always say, if you don't have any friends, like go after people that no one wants to be friends with and you'll probably find friends right away. Right. And we live in this lonely world. And I think it's because we have echo chambers, you know? So on that same line, like the idea is to explore your echo chambers. Like, what are the things that where you're just only hearing the same voice over and over and over and over again? Okay, I didn't I didn't prep Jason for this question, but I think it's a good question. And so we'll see how it goes. But what would you say to the person who's feeling at the end of their rope? Let's say they're in the context of trying to be unified mm-hmm. and they're just, maybe they're hurt or misunderstood and they're just over it. What, what do you say to yeah. that person who... He's like, okay, I hear what you're saying. I hear what Paul's saying. How do I come back to even neutral to begin to do that? Well, I think it starts with, uh, first of all, just praying for them. So Mm. it's amazing how when I pray for someone, it's really hard to stay angry at them. Because usually my prayer is like when I'm really ticked at someone, I'm like, Lord, smite them. And then (laughs) as we like go on. (laughs) And then as we continue to pray, it's like God softens our heart towards them. So there's some of that. So, and that sounds trite almost, but it's not like, that's the key. I also think setting healthy boundaries around people is good too. So if you have family that like is, is in total chaos, pick moments and boundaries that you can say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to guard my heart and be intentional in this moment, but I don't have to give like a hundred moments. I'll start here and take some baby steps towards that. And so that's, I think, um, a key thing. Um, in trying to like someone that's at their wit's end. I also think um, it's really important that we examine our triggers. So what are the things that set us off? Because usually the shadow side of that is something that's uh, something that needs worked on in our own heart. And so uh, it says this, that um, Solomon, who's the wisest person to live, scripture says next to Christ, he said, like, above all else, guard your hearts, because it's the wellspring of life. And I find in my life so many times, if I've let my heart get jaded or bitter, it affects everything. And so sometimes it's like examining my own heart and just doing inventory. Like, well, what are those triggers? What are the things? Where's, where's this negativity coming from in me? What? when I start lashing out and speaking all this awfulness and writing things online and then needing to delete, you know what I mean? Where's that coming from? And so looking at your heart and saying, Lord, have I let my heart get bitter or is it, you know, have I guarded it? Well, yeah. And I think uh, from my own, I would say the moments when you're like examining your own triggers and things get really upset. The other thing too is, am I saying what I'm actually meaning to say? Mm-hmm. So like, am I saying it right like, mm-hmm. okay, you're angry, but have you, uh, what are you actually upset about is I think a great question. Cause then you say, mm-hmm. well, can I say this differently? Can I come about it differently? Can I find common ground with things that I know is on their heart and my heart differently? So we can still be unified and have maybe a different, 
opinion about it, but at least we're on the yeah. common ground of this matters. This matters. Yeah. yeah. And Paul says this, like all things are permissible, permissible, but not all things are wise. And so mm-hmm. sometimes we're like, yeah, well, I have a right. Like we talk about our rights so much. I find whenever I'm talking about rights, it's usually an issue of my heart is wrong. And <laughs> so like whenever I Tweet have to it. fight for Come my... Come on. <laughs> And uh, yeah, just just looking at those rights uh, is is examining that heart and saying, okay, if I have to get to the rules of things, I've lost a relational aspect. Well, that's awesome. Oh, I just want to ask at the very end. I've only started doing this recently, but I wish I had done it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Jason, if you could speak to your younger self, and you could speak to the season of life that many of our young life families in, what would you want to share? with your younger self as just a slightly, slightly older, more experienced uh, mm-hmm. voice? Well, I just turned 44. So it's like <laughs> my last year of being early 40s. So I'm hanging on to the early 40s. Uh, so to speak to my younger self. So when you're like a young adult, you think like 40s are like so old. Like so long think, away. It's never going to yeah. happen. It's just so far. So here's what I would say is back to the eating. Eat with people that aren't like you. So be intentional about that. One of the things that growing up, like my parents, I think did well. Um, every Sunday when they went to church, like every Sunday, they just prioritized this, that they were going to invite somebody new out for, for a meal. So if they saw somebody that was new to church that they didn't recognize, you were guaranteed that they were coming out for dinner with us. And so as a kid growing up, sometimes it was great. Sometimes I was like, who are we eating with? Like, <laughs> like crazy pants, you know what I mean? But it broadened my horizons and it helped me to appreciate different generations, different socioeconomic uh, zones, different ethnicities, like the whole thing. Like when you're around the table with people, it looks different. So I would say to you, uh, extend your table, like whether it's physically eating, but although that's a pretty big one, but like, who are you, when you leave church, who are the people you always gravitate to? And then who are, who are those people that you're forgetting maybe about that you need to like jump into the conversation or even at your workplace, like who in the lunchroom is sitting that you like never have lunch with, like just have a different experience with those people. Um, I would also say as like advice, put yourself in minority situations regularly. Mm. So like try and find or carve out moments in your life where you're the minority in a situation where all of a sudden you feel weird, like everyone's looking at me and like, I feel out of place or I feel like I don't belong here. It gives you empathy for those others who are probably feeling that same thing. So like everyone's That's why, like, that's why I go to the gym. That's the reason right there. <laughs> you go to the gym? Yeah, well, oh, just, wow. just for that experience, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it just, it, like it's, what a, what a thing when all of a sudden I put myself in a position where I'm the only white guy in a situation or mm-hmm. I'm the only male in a situation where it's all like, do you know what I mean? Just it, try and find those moments and it's hard to do. You got to be intentional about it, but it, it, it totally reframes how you think about things. Um, so those are probably a couple of, of things, uh, trying to speak truth rather than condemnation over people. Like you can be right, but you can still be an idiot. And so in order to like <laughs> tweet it, come on, you're just on fire. You can be right, but you can still be an idiot. That's unreal. <laughs> but yeah. So just, um, yeah, try and like, is this, I, I like that idea that talks about like being seasoned with salt like is my conversation whether it's uh written online uh verbal is it seasoned with salt you know what i mean that that idea so i will say this too like the more um the more different people you have in your life the more flavor it adds so like growing up we even eating wise we were pretty like you know meat and potatoes kind of family like nothing real crazy and now my kids, they love cultural food. And it's like, there's always something spicy. There's always something new to try. Uh, it's like I do a world tour every week with eating, you know what I mean? And, but it's opened my palate to something new. And so it's like, wow, I never knew that existed before. Like, that's amazing. Or, uh, and likewise, too, I think in our lives, when we stick with people that are just our tribe or people like us, we lose a lot of spice in, the, in life and we lose out on a lot of that kind of, uh, wow, I didn't know things could be like that. I didn't, I didn't 
at that before. Yeah, we were using actually that actually same similar picture talking about uh, we're talking about in lockdown, Michael and I've had to learn how to cook uh, all the things that we'd normally want to eat out. Mm -hmm. And uh, the body of Christ is kind of like putting together a recipe where you're seeing all the pieces and you're like, I have no idea how this all fits together. They're different flavors, textures, consistencies, and they just seem like they don't fit. And talking about how God's kind of the taste maker, you know what I mean? Like he understands Mm -hmm. where each piece goes to make something that um, is something so much bigger than the sum of its parts, so to speak. And I think that's ultimately what we come back to is saying, hey, you know what? I might not understand even where that piece of the puzzle fits, but I do know that God does, and I trust him with that. I think in Paul's conversation, he's saying, hey, be humble and be gentle with people. Is the first thing he says, be humble and be gentle. And like you're saying, if we create more space around the table of our life and we create more airtime and more diversity and have a lot more open mind, and open heart to people who are maybe different textures and consistencies and flavors than we are. Um, we actually get to participate in that pot. Yeah, you know, we get so to, good. We get to become a part of that. Whereas we miss out on that when we don't. We miss out. On, we get to be meat and potatoes. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just the bland. Everything mm-hmm. kind of tastes the same. There's mm-hmm. nothing really new. Nothing really changes. Or we can be a part of this culinary experience if you will it's funny that you bring that up yeah and so i think that's that's pretty exciting i think if you get the chance to it just it it changes things so i think like racially obviously that's the big hot button one right now i think even um just like gender wise and like having different uh, people and around the room i also think generationally it's really important especially i would say to a young adult like uh, sometimes I think when you're in that, you want to be around people like your own zone. And that's granted, like full tilt for sure. But don't forsake the older generations. And I think that's our Canadian-ness uh, and maybe where it creeps in from the US. We're very much like we compartmentalize generations a lot. Like when was the last time you found one of the seniors at the church and said, Hey, let me go for coffee with you. Like, obviously, COVID. You know, yeah. <laughs> what do you <laughs> say? The, yeah. so, the seniors, Jason. Protect the seniors. Yeah. <laughs> they're all vaccinated now, anyways. Okay, but um, no. But if you could just like, you know what, you'd gain so much by just saying, "Let me take out somebody that's of a different uh, generation and just like teach me about like how do you see the world differently and." You know, rather than be like hashtag boomer, like they said, you know, like take one of them out and say, hey, why do you see the world like this? And how do you see the world like that? Yeah. Well, one thing I'm really appreciative for of older voices in my life is that they can confidently tell me, oh, you're worried about this. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And they can give me perspective on why it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And and I know that's such a simple thing, but that's me. I'm always trying to, I'm trying to think yeah. three or four steps ahead and they go, just you're worried about this for nothing or the flip side is you're not worried about this and you should be. Um, But I do think the perspective changes everything. Yeah. When it comes to like relational wisdom, some of the greatest stuff is like sitting down with older people and they're like, Oh, do this in your marriage. Like this is a for sure. Or parenting. Like if you uh, later when you have kids or even financial investment is really important, like how they see finances and what you spend money on. And they're like, Whoa, decision and you're like oh yeah okay so yeah Uh, yeah exactly Mm -hmm. well thank you jason so much for joining us it's always a pleasure to have you and you're still wise even without the beard that's what you've (laughs) proven that's what you've shown and i appreciate you jumping in Uh, while we've it's really great and i'm praying for the young adults of maple view and just love uh yeah love seeing the journey that god has for them it's awesome thanks jason for everybody else back to the cast Well, huge thank you to Jason Small. Again, always a pleasure to have him with us. And you know, uh, I know that you guys think we're just on the ball all the time, but uh, this episode is is it came quick. Let's put it that way. And so very appreciative uh, for Jason to jump in and be willing to spend time with us and invest in our lives. And just a great leader and great friend and great pastor. He's just amazing. Uh, and you know, as we go tonight, I want to ask a bit of a harder question in our our. Uh, cast conversation and kind of get us in the perspective of being open to 
different trains of thought and perspective and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's not that we have to compromise what we believe or even change our minds completely, but are we open to taking the good and maybe rest, continue to wrestle with the things that we maybe don't agree with? You know, one thing I always love about Jason is he's, he'd always say, there's always something to learn from somebody. And, you know, I want to take that posture this tonight. And so uh, has there ever been a moment in your faith or in church life where you've gained a new appreciation or perspective from someone else's point of view, mm-hmm. uh, how they live out their faith and do their faith. Go for it, Jake. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this was like, I want to say like eight years ago or something. I was still in high school. I was going to pitch and praise up at Brayside. Um, and my buddy, a uh, very close friend of mine, he was kind of, he was coming to youth and stuff, but he wasn't really a believer. And But he was open to things. And there was like a, altar calls kind of thing and I wasn't sure like he kind of stood up but anyways I kind of for a long time like through high school and stuff I kind of put like him coming to God like on my shoulders like his putting his salvation on my shoulders and I saw stuff he's going through and it just got really heavy and like um I actually met like Gavin Wark who's the guy like runs or like ran pitch and praise he was in like the cafe or whatever. And I just sat down and I was explaining it to him and I was like upset and stuff. And he's like, man, it's great. I like your heart is there and you really want him to come to the Lord. But ultimately it's God's uh, God's the one who's going to change his heart. Who's going to, you know, bring him to know, like to that relationship. It's not your responsibility. And that was something that was a moment. And, you know, I'm young and I'm, you know, you know, wanting to excited. Do for God. Yeah. There are worse like, things to be excited about Jake. Yeah. I'm just put- that's true. That's <laughs> yeah. true. But it's just like realizing like you can be there and God can use you and plant seeds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, don't, whether it's, you know, if you're dating, say you're someone who's missionary dating right now, who's like, I'm going to bring them to the Lord or whatever. That's, I don't know if it's the best right way to go, but ultimately like maybe be their friend. And if God's going to bring them to the Lord and it's meant to be the it'll happen kind of thing. Totally. You can say and do everything right. And uh, someone can still decide to do whatever they want. It's, yeah. it's a cha- challenging truth. What about you, Ada? What about you, Elliot? Um, like I've uh, maybe kind of, yeah, in my church life a little bit more. Um, I've been to three churches uh, since I like uh, from this, from the start of just being alive, from just being alive. I've been to, uh, yeah, <laughs> ever since I was born, I was, I've been to, th- that was such a weird way to word it. But ever since I was born, I've been to three churches. There you go. Since my and, I have been to three churches. Oh man. Yeah, I don't know. Just ever since the, just, I opened my eyes. Three, the ever since then, there's yeah. been three churches. No, yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know, man. I can't word Cont- right now. Continue. It's fine. <laughs> Anyways. It's yeah. Fine. So, so I've been to like three churches and, and when I like coming out of the first church, uh, I, I don't know, I had, uh, maybe a perspective of church as, um, like my faith and my own like Christian walk is, was such like just about Sundays and just about church that when I went to the next church, like they were so good at outreach. And I started realizing, no, like outreach, like there's, there's more parts to our faith. There's more parts to our walk with God that we need to incorporate than Sundays. And then I went to a third church and then they did incorporated a bunch of stuff. And it's like, I've just like kind of going through these different churches. I've seen what they do really, really well. And they've like shaped my faith walk in a way Mm -hmm. to like kind of combine the good things and like, uh, reframe my perspective of what it means to uh, be a Christian and walk with God. Yeah, it is funny how, you know, I, I grew up going to a church that my dad pastored and then we attended another church. So I've only ever been to two churches since my eyes have been open. But, um, <laughs> but it is funny, even at, at working at churches and serving in a lead pastors, as you kind of go uh, and have different experiences, you kind of get to know the DNA of what they do really well, and you get to yeah. take that good thing with you. Yeah. Like that's, I think that's discipleship, right? Like that's yeah. a part of it is like, you know, coming into proximity to people who are doing amazing things that Jesus would do, and you learn how to do it and see how it's done. And that's awesome. That's a great one. Yeah. Um, I think for me, one of the things that actually was really instilled in was a, a new perspective not even new, but just a perspective that I have every time I go into situations when I'm talking with people. It's uh, my friend Joel is one of my best friends and he has a mentality of just 
like humility and just understanding for everybody, regardless of like what's going on in their lives. And so mm-hmm. um, when he was doing young adults uh, back at a previous church and when he just, when I'm around him as well, I just see the, the, just the understanding for others and just wherever, wherever they are, they're at in their lives right now and just being just a friend to them. And so that's something that like, I, really appreciate of Joel and something that I try to instill in my own life, because I think that at times we forget maybe that like, we don't, we don't realize that we're judging somebody, even though sometimes we are. And, and so I think to just to have a, a clear mindset when it comes to meeting new people or just, or, or anybody for that matter, regardless of where their life has gone. Um, that's something that has just been instilled with me and just like, I, I want to show people humility Especially if I do something wrong, I would expect totally. to show me yeah, humility. Totally. Right? I live the gra- that, that. The grace mindset. you extend is the grace you'll receive, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. he's he's one of the big advocates for that. And so that's something that has definitely been some a part of my character that I try to portray every day. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a challenging one though. Like no yeah. one cares what you know until they know that you care. Like that's right? like the little if you're gonna tweet it, like that is like but that's a high call. When you're going into conversations that you're saying and intentionally saying, no, I want to be opening, let this person feel welcome and safe in the conversation of what we're talking about. Like that's a huge one. Uh, I remember, uh, I, I kind of like Aiden, um, grew up going to a bunch of youth groups or uh, two really big youth groups, but they were big youth groups. Like they kind of formed my perspective on like what church was and how it should be done and what worship should be like or what worship shouldn't be like. And so, uh, when I was, leaving youth group and like starting Bible college, figuring out like how to lead worship and starting to do it and super awkward. And because you're a Bible college student and every Bible college student is this, it's, they're just a ton of opinions. That's exactly what a Bible yeah. college, there, there are a ton of opinions and a ton of angst. That's what Bible college students are. And that's exactly what I was. And so I remember I was working at the summer camp and it was heritage days. So heritage days is 70 plus. Like it is like, uh, the golden life camp. It's unreal. And uh, I remember sitting in the services and the music is, in my opinion, it's just not my flavor of music necessarily. <laughs> like it, it was good and they loved it, but it was just not my thing. And so I remember kind of going in with a bad attitude being like, oh, I don't want to sit in the service. Like I got to listen to this. I was doing the tech and media stuff. I was like, I got 14 services this week of Gaither vocal band music that I'm not interested in being a part of. Anyway, uh, I was so wrong. Like, don't get me wrong. The music was still maybe not my, my pick, but I remember by like Tuesday night, uh, there is this pastor there coming. His name is Ken Bombay and he was the speaker. And when he was done speaking, he just worked his way over to the piano. He'd get on the piano and like, there's probably eight, 900 seniors in this room and they're calling out hymns. And he's like, that's a great one. And he starts playing away and hand raisers. Like people are just like, like instantly like pressing into the presence of God. And then they would sing all night and like Holy Spirit came and moved and people speaking in tongues. And like there is a guy at a piano playing songs from 50 years ago. And I remember as an 18 year old kid sitting there going like, man, this is what it's about. Like this, this is it. If it's going to be 50 year old songs that get you to the place of intimacy with Jesus. And I remember it like shattered. It absolutely shattered my perspective on like, oh, it's got to be this kind of style and it's got to be these kind of songs and blah, 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 blah. And you know, I find as we're open and kind of like you're saying, Elliot, like being humble in our perspective and saying, you know, I don't know everything, which I think at the moment it can be a really hard <laughs> mindset to keep ourselves in. We discover I would say treasures from these diverse experiences Mm. and kind of like Aiden was talking about, like we discover pieces that we didn't even know that we needed as we're exposed to new things and new people and new expressions of faith. And if we want to be people who are unified in the body, we've got to learn to see the treasures in other people's understanding and perspective and not be so defensive and, and that's, I'm speaking to myself, like I, yeah, I'm no, speaking 100%. to myself, like there are moments that I can just get frustrated and tensions are high and defensive. And yet uh, I think we want to be people who are open to the broad experience of what the body is. And we want to be people who love Jesus the best that we can. And so when we are unified, man, in a world full of dysfunction, 
if the church could be unified and at least be a testimony of this is the difference that God's made in our life, that we actually care about each other, even though we're so different. We always joke that at church, you probably meet people at church that you'd never talk to probably in your regular life. <laughs> and yet uh, it's this beautiful, amazing thing. And so as we go tonight, we want to hear from you. What has uh, been a perspective change or a shift in your faith just from the experience and encounter of someone else's perspective and how they do their faith? We hope that you guys are doing well. We're going to have more information at theyounglife.online and at the Young Life uh, on coming back in person. But uh, we'd love to hear from you. We're going to have our question of the week. And you know, we might be back online. We might be back in person. We're still figuring it out. We need to go find some other perspectives and listen to them. And <laughs> then we'll come back to a consensus. But love's the high school. Amen. Look at that wrap up. Amazing. Uh, thanks so much, guys, for joining us tonight and Cass for being here. And we'll see you guys next week at the Young Life, whether it's online or in person.